Hello, hello, and welcome to Built on Hope, the podcast dedicated to competitive Imperial Assault. I'm your host, Isaac, and in this episode, we have yet another matchup analysis segment. They are doing very, very well, and they are really interesting, especially considering how now that we're entering Season 4, we have seen a lot of top-tier lists being played in the Season 3 final events in the two Vassal seasonal tournaments, which concluded Season 3. And there have been some questions about those. Essentially, are they still viable? Are they still good? So what we are going to do is in this episode, we are going to look at what did the two winners of the last two Vassal Seasonal Tournament lists have in common? The answer to that is Royal Guards. Two very different lists, but both featured the new and improved Imperial Elite Royal Guard figures. So we will be talking about that today, and we will have on a very special guest to do that. But first and foremost, we have the marvellous Jessica with us as always. How are you doing, Jess? I'm good, thank you. Marvellous. Um, so Jessica, before we bring on Ollie, do you want to talk about the news? Hi everyone, Jessica here with some news. So first, we have IACP Season 4, the final update has been released. So that's version 4.2. And right on schedule, there are a couple changes that have been made to a few different cards. Uh, I think the most controversial one is probably there was a big dark saber conversation so there are there's just a little tweak to that one um, in regards to Sabine and approved voting will start soon so look out for those surveys coming out the testing league still going heading into its final little last bit after some discussions with the community about the limited number of maps that have been played to death now the testing league has opened up a few more maps so all tournament legal maps between java's realm and before lethal are now able to be included so that's including anchorhead cantina java's palace Nalhutta Swamps, Moss Isley Back Alleys, Uskru Entertainment District, and Tarkin Initiative Labs. So that hopefully opens up a few more maps so that there's a little bit more diversity for those of you that have been playing just these three maps to death. All right, we also have an event announcement that had just passed. So we had our Covering Fire European IACP Season 4 Playtest Tournament. And congratulations to Tuka, champion of that event. So it was um, starting in the European time zone as kind of an experiment to see if we could get people interested. And we got, uh, I think there was six of us. So we had three rounds of Swiss. It's a nice short and sweet. It was a free event. Um, and so I think we probably will have more of those in the future. Just kind of short and sweet, free, just for fun tournaments. I really, really enjoyed it. Even though I came in dead last. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Also some news. Uh, Noah at TV Boy and our very own Isaac at Kajo are running weekly live streams on the IA Command YouTube channel. So Noah's stream runs on Wednesday evenings, 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So that would be kind of west coast of the U.S. And Isaac's live stream is on Friday evenings, 5 to 7 p.m. British summertime currently. Um, and that's over here in the UK. 
Back to you, Isaac. Thank you very much, Jess. And without further ado, we will bring on one of my oldest friends in Imperial Assault, the one and only Oliver Dewhurst. He is an ICP Steering Committee member and an amazing Imperial Assault player here in the UK. Hello. Hello, Ollie. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I've uh, got some things planned for next week, which I think will be very exciting. So, yeah, I've got a good week planned in front of me. Um, So, before we jump into the Royal Guards, because they have been very hotly debated and actually rather controversial in Season 3, do you want to just, Mm -hmm. because you've been on the podcast before, but that was, I believe, in about Episode 3, Episode 4, so do you, mm-hmm. do you just want to offer a brief reintroduction of yourself to anyone who might be new to the game or new to the podcast or who just hasn't heard of you before? Yep. Uh, so I got into the game uh, just around the time Twin Shadows came out. Uh, because I remember the first tournament I went to, uh, I got destroyed by Alistair Scott with a, a two-banther list. <laughs> um, running HKs. Oh, it might have been. Was I running HK? I don't remember. It was a while ago anyway. Um, so we, uh, uh, Tom Parrish, who's also been on the podcast, Tom Parrish and I used to work together, uh, and we, um, both got into the, the campaign side of it. I thought, oh, I wonder what skirmish is like. So at lunch, uh, on a lunch break, once we both started playing it and thought, this is pretty fun. Uh, we saw there was a tournament at a nearby store. So we went along to the tournament, uh, and yeah, went from there, went to various different, uh, regionals, uh, nationals, euros. I was supposed to be at Worlds, but it got cancelled. Um, so, yeah, lots of fun. Still like it. <laughs> yeah, and you've kind of made your name in the Imperial Assault community, particularly in the UK, for, together with Tom, approaching the game through a, an entirely different lens. You know, you would never run the meta stuff at tournaments, at least as of, as much as I can recall. You would be running stuff like Ahsoka and Jared, or you would be running regular Stormtrooper Swarm. The regular Stormtrooper Swarm, I maintain, should have worked. <laughs> it didn't, but it should have. <laughs> That's what we all tell ourselves. Um, I, I mean, the theory was there. Uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, so uh, a lot of it tends to be trying to uh, subvert the meta, picking unusual choices that uh, counter certain aspects of the meta. The only time where I haven't done something like that was uh, Spectre Cell Season. Uh, well, I didn't go Spectre Cell. I went to uh, Scum BP instead because everything else that we tried didn't come anywhere close to beating it reliably. Uh, so it eventually swung around on, let's try and have Vinto kill Hera and Chopper for a lot of points because that yeah. might get us somewhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah, trying to subvert uh, the meta, we end up with weird things, like you say, a, a regular Stormtrooper swarm with the Grand Inquisitor I think it was, that was at a UK Nationals, uh, what, about 2017 something like that uh, And well, I think we played each other round one so we're off to a great start <laughs> and then it went downhill from there so yeah, we um, generally try to run a bit unusual things um, as you say, the Jared one that was at Euros, the final Euros over in Poland we, uh, I, I ran um, a Chewbacca, Ahsoka, Jared, Ezra list and was nearly at top eight until I came across Tuka and it took about 17 shots to kill his Vader. Oh, I've got that much pierce. It shouldn't take, it shouldn't be that hard, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, generally a bit unusual stuff. Uh, towards the end of regular Imperial Assault, 
Tom noticed that it was possible to run very small activation imperial lists that did very well. Uh, so it started out with Vader, uh, Onar, Emperor, and someone and Thrawn, I think, or something like that. Uh, and it, uh, Tom's talked about it before on the on on the podcast. Um, but yeah, it evolved from there. Um, uh, and nowadays, you can get down to three activation lists, like the one that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> Indeed. And speaking of that perfect segue, so to just clarify exactly what happened last season. At the end of every season, there are two vassal seasonal tournaments, and these are essentially tournaments which are a lot more competitive than other events, and they are made to represent the culmination of the season. So everyone just runs as competitive stuff as they can, and we see who makes it out as the winner. The winners of those two events, the first one was won by me, and the second one was won by Ollie, and we were both running Royal Guards. So what I was hoping we could all do, just the three of us, is talk about what appealed about the Royal Guards to us. So, Because, I mean, Jessica, I do believe that you ran some Royal Guards as well, at least maybe not at tournaments, but casually. I I do believe I saw you running those, or at least you seemed interested in them. So if we start with you, what drew you towards Royal Guards, rather? So I've never actually played them in an actual tournament uh, or anything like that, but I like how they can combo with a lot of other Imperial units to give those defensive bonuses. So that's kind of why I was considering playing them, because I like playing the Imperial beef lists. So I like having my Vader, I like using Riot Troopers to get those extra block tokens. So I thought mixing it up, I haven't kind of nailed down a list with royal guards that i am really happy with but i that was what drew me to them and what i was interested in using them for was kind of that extra block especially you already Mm. have zillow which is really good so having a imperial list that focuses on defense makes a lot of sense so that's kind of what drew me to the royal guards but i yeah i haven't really nailed down a list that i'm i'm perfectly happy with with them yet though Makes sense. How about you, Ollie? Uh, similar, solid defense, uh, especially when you combine them with other figures. Um, as Jessica said, although I took it to a much more extreme example than Jessica did, they've got a decent attack. I mean, the stun is very helpful, plus two damage, and red-yellow is is okay. Uh, plus, they can be focused if your figures die. So generally, pretty solid all-round unit. A lot of health as well. Yeah, which always helps, especially in Empire, just like Jessica said, with Zillow and everything, it can become really oppressive, which is why at the end of Season 3, because Royal Guards won both of those big tournaments, we did see a a little bit of a nerf going towards the Royal Guards, which we will talk about a little bit later. But I guess the thing that appealed to me, and essentially the same thing you guys are saying, what appealed to me about them a little bit more, however, was not necessarily the beef, but the opportunity for combos. I mean, at heart, I'm a very Johnny player, going back to, I believe, our first or second episode. And that is a playstyle that I really, really enjoy, you know, finding these odd combos which actually work. And that'll be very clear when we contrast what Ollie won with and what I won with. But I think that's probably the perfect segue to jump right in. So, Ollie, would you like to read the IACP Season 3 Royal Guard stats, starting with the pre-nerf version? So the pre-nerf version, um, they have got 10 health. They're a two-figure group, so they've got 20 health in total. Uh, speed 5, another reason why they're fantastic, speed 5. Uh, attack pool is a melee attack with a red yellow, a red dice and a yellow dice. 
Uh, defense is a single black. Uh, they have got reach, pierce one, and an evade uh, as sort of static bonuses. And then they've got two surges, one surge for stun, and one surge for plus two. Um, and then they've got three abilities. Uh, Sentinel, while a friendly non-guardian figure is defending and you are adjacent to the targeted space, apply plus one block to the defense results. Limit one Sentinel or Protector ability used per attack. Uh, forward Vengeance. When an adjacent, friendly, non-guardian figure is defeated, you become focused and may move one space. And then finally, Professional. While attacking, you may reroll one attack die. Indeed, so quite a lot to unpack there. They got a, arguably the best defense, the best defense characteristic in the game, barring Vader. I would say that Black and Static Evade is probably better than two Black dice. What do you guys think about that? I disagree on black and the static evade. Two black is better with Vader's reroll. Sure, yeah, this we'll is. We'll come along to another time. figure later, which does have a better defense pool than Vader. <laughs> uh, but yep. yeah, uh, black and a static evade, I don't think is as good as two black with a reroll. Um, do you want to go through the the what what changed on the nerf? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, they lost the static of aid. <laughs> it got added to <laughs> oh, uh, no. the uh, the surge for stun. So the surge for stun was uh, changed to surge for stun with gain one evade token. We'll come over to the reasons later for this why, but forward vengeance, which is where you become focused and may move one space, uh, that was changed to only apply to non-companion figures. So now that we've spoken about them, Ollie, do you want to start and talk about the list that you and I designed prior to the tournament? We both ran this, the exact identical list, I think even down to the last command card. We ran everything the same. Yeah, well, we had a big debate, didn't we, for a while about command cards. So the tournament was, was on a Saturday, and I think we had a phone call, well, a, a Discord call on, on the Friday night, and we went through the list um, sort of, and figured out what we thought was the, the optimal um, version of this. So I mentioned earlier that Tom and I sort of designed um, the very low activation list. And we'd seen a few people running similar sort of things. So there was uh, there was a few Vader Vice lists around. Um, uh, there was a, a, I think Tom at the time was running Vader, Royal Guard Champion um, Vice, uh, which, which isn't fun to play against, but the Royal Guard Champion isn't quite as defensive as um, some of the other ones. He's still got the two defense dice, but he <laughs> goes down very quickly. Um, we um, decided to have a sort of a, a further step back from that and went, what are the two most defensive units in the game, uh, yep. which was Vader and Bobber? So with Isaac earlier saying that a static evade and a black dice is almost as good as Vader, well, a static <laughs> evade, a block, and a, a black dice is definitely as, as good as if, or if not better than Vader. Um, and on top of that, um, if you can give them extra armor so they've always got uh block tokens on there they become even better uh so the deployments uh for the list uh darth vader driven by hatred boba fett royal guard temporary alliance unshakable rule by fear extra armor and zillow technique making it a nice even 40 indeed and this was quite a gross list yeah. We did one test game prior to the tournament together. And, you know, it actually wasn't that bad. It did win, I, I do believe. But it didn't yeah. flaw in the same way it did the following day. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds good, but I would be really worried about the low numbers of figures that you have. So what's the total yeah. number of figures you have? Three, uh, four total, three deployments. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, that's the part that I would feel very uncomfortable playing the list. That's what would make me very cautious and feel like, oh, okay, it's good, but is it going to be that good? Especially if you have missions, like for example, the missions where you have to hold the objectives. I forgot what the name of what's the name of the mission where you get like ten points for holding the shield the endor defense station. One. Yeah, so that one I feel like you claim the ruins. Yeah, if you had uh, missions with objectives, a lot of points in the mission objectives, mm-hmm. that w- that would be uncomfortable for me to play that list. I personally think claim the ruins is probably the best mission for it. Yeah, I agree, I agree. it works out that way because they have to come to the ruins, and if they don't, so you put Vader in the room that gets you six points, and you put Bobber on the other one. And then they have to deal with Vader and Bobber, and it's a lot of stuff to sink into either of them to kill them both, especially if you can put a Royal Guard with them. With, with Vader, you're potentially looking at two static blocks plus his two black defense dice on every attack. And that was the thought process behind the list. It is absolutely gross, and the amount of attacks that was sunk into those figures was absolutely revolting. So I ended most games with, with losing one of the four figures. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I guess because once you start thinking about the resources that are available and the resources that you are using, they are sinking and using up a lot of their resources, their attacks, their actions, and they're not immediately gaining any effect until you all the way defeat them. And so if you can successfully use up your resource of your HP on your characters but they don't actually go down, then that is going to be so much resources that your opponent is using up and getting nothing for. Well, well, that's why uh, single-figure sort of high health pool uh, activations are always good because you can do 15 points of damage into Vader and he's still as good as he was when he had 16 health. Whereas right, if exactly. you do 15 points of damage into two Royal Guards, they're half as good as they were at the start. Right. Or the ATDP. Oh, the ATDP. Yeah, the ATDP does get worse. Um, Multiple um, activation groups get worse, don't they, as you damage them? Because they lose figures and become less effective. Exactly. Possibly, let's just discuss kind of your tactic, like the general, what's like the general strategy that you had with command cards? I would assume it would be all the defensive tech, right? It is not all the defensive tech. Oh, okay. Well, then do tell. (laughs) Um, It's some of the defensive tech. Um, yep. <laughs> so uh, in terms of defensive tech there's Brace for Impact and Parry and Second Chance uh, Second Chance would be huge on this list Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. it, it was, can confirm <laughs> But almost everything else is to do more damage yeah. to oh, your opponent Okay. Because the thing is with this list, ultimately we are relying on our figures surviving as long as possible Boba is getting three static blocks and an evade, and a black die every attack. Vader is getting two static blocks, and two black dice, and a reroll every single attack. So we're relying on them surviving, but the problem is, Vader is a good attacker, but he's not this amazing attacker by all imaginations. And Boba is good, but his attack pool, you know, he's not worth 13 points for his attack pool. It's because of his speed, his defensibility, and his abilities, not his attack pool. And then when you double in the fact that we have four figures, 
and all of our figures have to be adjacent to someone else, otherwise we are losing a lot of value, which means we cannot afford to have someone on a terminal. So we're only drawing a card around. Uh-huh. So everything has to be usable in almost every situation, and you have to be able to force it to be usable yourself, if that makes sense. A lot, a lot of cards we sort of looked at and went, it's a good card, but... If I draw it sort of round four, it's useless now. So mm-hmm. it's gone. Everything in this list, arguably the only ones that aren't, will be the ones that are used to set up passing blow combos. But because of how good the parting blow combo is, we ha- you have to keep them in. Yeah. <laughs> Everything exactly. else in there is to either get Vader to people, get Bobber to people, push more attacks out of Vader, <laughs> or push more attacks out of Bobber. It's, everything is designed around that. For example, do we, there's no element of surprise in the list mm. um, with with how sort of we cut down the command cards. Uh, we've got five one-point command cards or zero-point command cards. Everything else is either one or two points. We didn't invest anything into one bigger command card. The, mm-hmm. the idea is whatever you pull out of your deck is useful and good. Cool. Oh, okay. So is your strategy then with this list, because another thing that I would worry about when playing a very low activation list is your number of attacks. It's like, sure, your attacks are very strong, but you don't have as many of them. So is your idea kind of like, just take out some of the opponent's figures with the attacks that you have, and then just kind of hold them off long enough. Like you're not planning on defeating their whole list or did you find that you were able to be aggressive enough that you could do a full wipe i tabled i think three people on the day of the tournament (laughs) that's so brutal i guess you do like vader with his extra attacks you can do parting blow for extra attacks you can do his end of round extra attacks you also have his the opportunity possibly if you're lucky to do attack and force choke so yep. is is that how you got around that issue? Well, you try and push as many through Vader as possible. But remember, the Royal Guard aren't terrible attackers, and you can push party yeah. blows on them if, if someone runs past one of them, which happens more than you'd expect because everyone's worried about running past Vader, <laughs> that they forget the Royal Guard can do it as well. Right. So you might yeah. as well do it on the Royal Guard if someone runs past you. Nice. Um, there's, there's other things like um, Bobber, obviously, his attack isn't amazing, it's okay. If you can get the red dice in and you do red, green, green, it's pretty good. But um, his attack isn't amazing. So there's other things in there, like the, the, the weaken helps you kill things faster and take less damage from his flamethrower. Uh, but we've also put Overrun in there to push out as much damage from him as well as possible. Mm. One of my first couple of games, I think I did 12 damage from Bobber with overrun in one round oh my god that's amazing see the one thing that is really nice too about overrun is that it's unblockable damage like there's yeah. no getting around it they just take that damage amazing i've got a feeling i used on mandalorian tactics did the 12 overrun and then flamethrowered them and oh did even gosh, more damage so gross. So, so gross. yeah it's it, yeah it's not it's not wasn't nice for them um <laughs> So what I think is really interesting about this list is that you just cull all the support, right? So you yeah. don't have your, yeah. like, other lists rely heavily on support. You know, you have your 3PO's and Gideon's that are such a big part of so many lists, both Scum and Rebel. But in this, with so few activations, 
all of your activations are deadly. If you remove, let's say, one royal guard, like there's still a lot of attackers. Whereas we've, yeah. we've discussed like in previous episodes how if, let's say, you have a scum list that has the support package, if you take out one of their offensive units, that whole list is much weaker because they have so many units in support. Yeah, so the majority of lists I look at now have either none or, or one support unit. Yeah. Yeah, I think the meta is turning that way, which I think is really fascinating. Yeah, um, the only the only people you can't do it with is rebels. With rebels, you still need Gideon and three PO generally. But yeah, the, right. the, or Yoda. the other or Yoda, yeah, the 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 other factions, you can definitely do it in Imperial easily because there's not really any support anyway. Right. Um, right. Arguably, Thrawn is a support figure, and officers the officers are, and Krennic is now. But they they still got decent officers don't have decent attacks, but the other two still have decent <laughs> attacks. Yeah, cost a little bit more than you get in your three PO, but with mercenary you can certainly do supportless runs as well. Now um, there are figures out there that have got decent defense pools and their attack pool is decent enough that it works out better to have another attack. That even though you don't have the focus on all your other attacks. Ultimately, you get two focuses around. Is that better, the, the, the two extra dice from a focus, than another three dice attack? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure it is, which is why a lot of lists don't run them anymore. Exactly. All right, so before we dive into you know, the matchups for the Royal Guards list, we, we've spoken about one so far. So I'm just going to go over the other one, the one that I ran, the, that I ran in the first VST tournament. The stupid one. <laughs> I mean, I I still think that the one we both played together in the second one was dumber, but I did enjoy um, this one a lot more. So this one got the nickname Jump Guards, and you'll see why in a second. So the full list is as follows. Royal Guard Champion, Elite Royal Guards, Emperor Palpatine, three sets of regular Imperial Officers, Temporary Alliance to pull in a regular Ugnaught Tinkerer, Rule by Fear, Zillow Technique, and Extra Armor. And this sounds like a very, very weird list. It might be a little less straightforward than the previous one. However, let's just say that the Forward Vengeance ability gaining the non-companion restriction, it came for a reason. Yeah, that reason was Isaac Borno. (laughs) (laughs) That reason is why I said it was dumb. (laughs) Indeed. So, essentially... The Royal Guards have their Forward Vengeance ability, which means that when a figure adjacent to them is defeated, they become focused and move a space. Also, the Royal Guard Champion has an ability called Executor, which is that when a figure within three spaces is defeated, you may move two spaces and perform an attack limit once per round. So what did I do? We What you do is you put a Ugnor Tinker into the list, and then you use the Emperor. Why would you use the Emperor? Well, it's very, very simple. The Emperor has an ability called Tempt, which is at the start of your activation, a figure of your choice suffers one damage and gains a damage power token. And the junk droid has one health, which means the Argonaut spawns the junk droid, moves the junk droid so it's adjacent to both royal guards and within three of the champion, then the Emperor activates and kills the junk droid, which means I get two focuses, one movement on each of them, and and the champion gets to move to space and perform a free attack, which is insane. 
because the Royal Guards are very, very good at nine points. But once you suddenly give them a focus every round and an extra movement every round, they become, let's just say, not worth nine points. Let's put it that way. And the reasoning for the three officers is mainly push yourself up to seven activations so that you're out activating most six activation, well, all six activation lists. And also more terminal sitters. And also, ironically enough, the officers are three health. So the Emperor could also force lightning an officer to death if, say, the Oak has died or something to complete the same effect, which is just very fun. And yeah, it will, as much as I love to talk good about this list, because I really did enjoy it, it was done. Um, I went undefeated in the tournament that I played it in. There was another tournament around the, the day afterwards, which I didn't play it, I believe it was Canadian, a Canadian-run tournament, and someone ran it and also went undefeated. So it, it was overtuned. I, I completely admit that. It was overtuned. It was really, really fun, and it was a combo which caught people off guard. And some people loved it, some people hated it. Um, but that was essentially the idea of the list. Yeah, I like the idea of in playtesting in like a new season to find these broken things. But I kind of feel like it it should have been something that was caught maybe before it got into the official round. But yeah. it, I mean, these things happen. Like you can't test every single combo and I love it for like the hilarity value. Like yes. it's just, it's silly. It's fun. And we had that be a thing, but I, it was good that they made the change. So the weird thing about it is that it was play tested. We did, I mean, I didn't do it personally, but there were people in the committee who specifically ran the Argonaut combo to see how it oh. worked. But it, it wasn't that bad. So I don't know if they ran a different version or if it was just because this list tears through Jedi nine days of the week because it just throws out stuns. It's got the static evades from on the Royal Guards, which means that Jedi are less likely to get their pierce off. And Jedi have white die and red, yellow, green, static PS1 and reroll just eats through a white die like nothing. And what's funny is the junk droid itself isn't that bad against white die figures. Oh no, it has it, definitely it, killed a spare Jev. Yeah, it, it gets damaged through, and if they kill it, fine, I'll get another focus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And one of my favorite combos as well was um, essentially to leave the junk droid or in the same space as the champion if my opponent is playing Boba Fett. Because then if he's going to run up and flamethrower my royal, my champion, it's he's going to have to kill the junk droid as well, which is me, which means I'm going to get an attack off on Boba for free, which is just amazing. Um, yeah, so that was the list. The command deck, it was basically built around survive for as long as possible and get as many combos off as I could. So I... We didn't have this in Ollie and my list with the, you know, the three deployment list, but I did have Get Behind Me because every single one of my figures was below 10 points. So a Royal Guard could use it to save an attack from a different Royal Guard or to protect the champion himself or protect the Emperor even, if need be. And then I also had ter Terminal Protocol, which was disgusting because I could blow up the Junk Droid on the same activation I spawned it. So I could move up eight into a spot, you know, into a cluster surrounded by Jedi. Make sure I'm within three of the champion. Blow up, deal between zero and two damage to every figure adjacent to me, and then the champion runs and it mops up. It was disgusting. It did very, very well, but it was a very fun list. However, and we're going to talk about this in a second, 
In contrast from the list that Ollie and I ran together in the second tournament, this one is completely imbibable after the Royal Guard nerf, because the main reason for the nerf was this list, not the list that Ollie and I ran. Because now you don't get the combo off, which means there is literally no reason for you to run the Argonaut in there. I mean, it is nice because you still get the extra attack out from the champion with it, but a four-point investment for one attack around? I don't know. It's, it's risky. So speaking of that, Oli, do you want to talk a little bit about how you think your list may have changed a little bit after the nerf? Because obviously mine is very different now. I don't think it changes at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't think that the Royal Guard are so much worse now than they were. I agree. Yeah, I think it still works. I think it definitely still works. Vader mm-hmm. is still obviously very good. Royal Guards I think still hold up. Boba I think is still good. Maybe a bit closer, I think, because the Royal Guard wouldn't always have their evades, so they're a bit easier to kill. But generally I found that I want to do the stun more than the plus two with them so giving me the evade yeah. token on the plus two on the stun means if i've attacked you i'll generally always have an evade so i evade token isn't as good as a um no static evade but i thought i don't think there's anything you change because there's still a 9.2 attack 20 health figure group which <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, i'm not sure there's much much that you'd put in in place of them you might swap them for something else if you swap Bobber out, but I'm not sure you would change them for anything else. And I think that just comes down to the fundamental difference between the two lists. I mean, the Junk Guard list, it's built around having the Royal Guards be very difficult to kill and deal out an insane amount of damage every single round. Whereas in the Vader Boba Royal Guards list, or Queen's Fan list, whatever you want to call it, that one is built in a very different way because the focus is not on the Royal Guards. The focus is keep Vader and Boba alive for as long as possible. And it doesn't matter what your opponent does, they are going to do their job. It doesn't matter if they decide to start chewing through Vader and Boba with the plus one block from the Royal Guard, or if they decide to attack the, the Royal Guards first. Any of those two options, which are the only choices, any of those two options mean that Vader and Boba get to survive longer. Uh, so what I do want to talk about is that we both ran the list in the tournament, and we did very differently with it. I was eliminating the top eight. You went on to win the whole tournament with it. So what matchups did you find were troublesome? I did not like playing the mirror match. No, <laughs> that was boring. <laughs> it was very quick. I think the game lasted about 20 minutes. Oh, crazy. Well, because essentially you run at each other and whoever has got the best command cards wins. <laughs> yeah. <It's>... yeah. <laughs> Now, is, did it come? Does it matter, like what side of the maps you had? Was that an issue at all, or no? We were on um, Mos Eisley, weren't we? So, um, Coruscant. Coruscant, sorry, yeah. I, I was thinking back alleys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we we're on Coruscant back alleys. So obviously, you need to get across the middle bit. I think we we're on gangsters. So you picked the one where you can get two of them a bit easier, and then you came across to me, didn't you? I think. I did. A miscalculation on my part, but... Which I think was probably a miscalculation, because I ended up using both parting blows, and I think you only used one, which is probably yeah. what swung it, because I got, sort of, say, six attacks out of Vader versus four attacks out of Vader, yeah. or, or whatever it ended up being. Oh, yep, that would that would do it. And um, I also think the fundamental difference was that, essentially, my thought process was that 
if I wait for another round, the initiative is going to come your way by the time you run in, and then you're going to have that last first activation swing. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Vader having a last first activation swing is the most disgusting thing you have ever seen in the world. Um, so Unsurprisingly, the list does not have take initiative in because yeah, of the yeah, small exactly. number of activations. You, you can't afford to lose one for a round. No, it's because when you're drawing one card around, take initiative is going to be valuable in one out of 20 games, realistically. Yeah, it's it's just one of them. Take initiative, it only works out for you if you get it early, because you want it probably round two or round three, generally speaking, and you can't afford to lose probably the Royal Guards for a round, no matter what round you're in, I don't think. Yeah. Um so yeah that one that one wasn't that one was just a hard game. Um that was one of its two defeats over the tournament. Uh, three defeats over the tournaments because obviously it, one of them had to lose. So so yes. I beat Isaac on that one. And then I I lost my final game in Swiss against uh Tuka's VPT. So I was having flashbacks to not being able to kill Vader uh for Euros. <laughs> uh essentially uh, so I think this was streamed so Jess you saw this game. Right, 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 right. It, we were playing on ISB headquarters, one with the um, where there's the two stations in the, the the red corridor on the right of the map, depending on how you look at it, I suppose. And then there's the station at the other end of the map. Um, so Tuka very wisely uh, ran sort of Thrawn and one of his other guys into that corridor. It's I don't it, at that point I'm giving up sort of six points to turn to him unless I follow him into the corridor. So I followed him into the corridor and got rid of Thrawn round one. Uh, the, the trouble is then, obviously, he's got his Vader and Emperor follow me into the corridor uh, because he he out-initiatives me, so he goes last. Um, and I think he had take um, or, or something like that. And, yeah, it's sort of the command cards I'd need to, to win that. Well, or rather, he had the command cards he'd needed to win that. I didn't have the command cards to beat those almost. Uh, so I think I had second chance and was debating using it in round two. Oh, <laughs> but God. I thought that well, Vader <laughs> would survive long enough to not need it and then use it in round three where I'd get more value out of it. But Vader died in round two. His Vader <laughs> died in round Ouch. three. I, I think we had something like BT left and an officer at the end of the game. BT, an officer, and the Emperor maybe. Um, and every other figure had died out of both of our lists. My God. It was very bloody and very quick. Uh, so that was the final game of Swiss. And I played it again, as in Tuka's list again, in the in the final final, which went a lot better for me uh, and was less scary. So I think the, the issue I had was, was that list on this map because it gives a lot more advantages to, to him with the extra sort of um, activations he's got that I sort of have to follow him a bit more than dictating the play how I'd want to. So what was the final map? It was Claim the Ruins. Yes, I remember this one. Uh, I think, was this the one where? Yes, this one. We ended up with sort of two rounds with Tuka on 38 points. Oh my God. Yeah, with it was essentially ended up on Thrawn versus uh, a Royal Guard, Vader and Boba. <laughs> yeah, that's not an ideal situation. Uh, the Royal Guard obviously needed to survive shots from Thrawn. I needed to keep hold of both points so he didn't get any more points from those uh, and kill off his other list, other, other things in his list. So because of how it worked out, he ran his Vader down to me early. So I 
had to deal with his Vader at the bottom of the map, so couldn't contest either of the two points. So I gave up 10 points and two rounds to him. Uh, so that's how he sort of went to the 38 quite quickly. So I think he was on 38 points at the end of round three, and I was on sort of like 25 points, something like that. Um, so I had to then claw back the, the, the remaining points and, and, and got to 43, um, killing off his figures and holding the two points with one uh, with Bobber on the uh, shield generator and Vader and the two Royal Guard on the other one. So it was a very close, close uh, game, that one. But I felt a lot more in control almost, although when he went to 38 points, that's obviously horrible to see. Yeah. <laughs> it was a situation where I sort of knew that as long as the Royal Guard didn't completely blank on his defense dice, Took would really struggle to get those final two points off me uh, because yeah, I've got sure. no cheap activations to give up, if that makes sense. Everything yeah. requires commitment to get through. Exactly. I think that's the big strength of that list, right, is that mm -hmm. it is a big commitment and that that puts a lot of pressure on your opponent to make those tough choices. Like, do how much do they commit, right? I, I, think, he, I think he killed my Vader and... I might have had two Royal Guards and Bobber left at the end rather than the Vader and the Royal Guard and Bobber. But it, yeah, it was. I, I think that was probably correct because I think I'd have found it a lot easier to kill Thrawn if I had Vader still. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the strengths as well of this list is that once your opponent commits onto one figure, they kind of have to keep going for that or they lose out a lot. And yeah. you can press that to your advantage. You can kind of then more push them into certain actions. Uh, you can kind of better predict what they're going to do, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a struggle for them after if they if they do commit as well and don't succeed. They sort of waste those resources they've put into it. So yeah. uh, one of my other games in the top eight, I think it was against Christian, he put everything into killing Bobber and only just killed Bobber by the time I got to 40. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's exactly what the list does. You you have so much raw defense built that by the time they, they're able to take down one of, one of the queens, it is too late. Um, unlike, however, my top eight match, which was the one I lost, and it was my only non-mirror game that I lost. But my mirror match was against the one and only Kyle, who was actually my finals opponent in the first VST, so it was pretty fun to have a bit of a rematch like that. But he was running Boba Jets, and what I didn't consider going into the match is that the strategy of keep Vader and Boba next to the Royal Guards and next to each other does not work. <laughs> uh, so I was overrun, I was grenadiered, I was flamethrowered, and it was just way too much unblockable damage, and I wasn't really able to pull back. Um, so, I, I mean, he played it very, very well. I definitely misplayed, because there's no reason for me to keep them together. Roy, um, elite jets, even if they're two spaces away, they are not going to push through enough damage on Vader, even without a block token. So I, I do I don't necessarily think that that's a bad matchup for the list. I just think I misplayed it. Yeah. So against swarms, you need to be removing figures. Don't care about defense because they yeah. they can't hurt you easily. Just just get rid of things. Use the royal guards to attack rather than to defend. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, I played a, a, a junk guards list, and my aim was to just remove things rather than try and keep things alive. Because yeah. all right, the royal guards focused will. will 
will hit hard, but they're they're unlikely to to really punish Vader if you or bother because well, especially bother with the evade because it kills off the dice a lot more. Um, so the idea was, on that one for me was just get rid of the royal guards as quickly as possible, and then the junk drive's not doing anything to any of my figures. And um, I, I can't remember what else was in the list, but it's one of those with swarms. Get rid of things. Yep. Don't worry about Precisely. defense. Get rid of them. <laughs> Precisely. Alrighty. So now that we've spoken about the list and all the different elements of it, let's dive right in into the different maps. I, and I think this discussion will be especially enticing considering that we have a new map in rotation since that tournament, which is the Coruscant Senate office. So we'll be talking mm-hmm. about that one as well. But let's start with what we know. So first and foremost, let's do the oldest map. I mean, this map. I actually remember, Ollie, when you and I played on this map so many years ago at Euros, I believe it was 2017, I want to say. I think we were both running Scoutmasters or something. Uh, the difference being I had Salacious and you had Black Market. Because I specifically remember your discussion with me about how Black Market is objectively better than Salacious. And I didn't really listen. <laughs> but, I, I mean, do remember that you used to run Salacious. Yeah. And, wow. it was, and it was really fun. I mean, the the time where I actually killed Jedi Luke using Gideon to order Salacious, who was 15 spaces away, to move to into the... Yeah, exactly. To go move into the space of a one health remaining... Jedi Knight Luke. That was just one of my favorite memories of the whole game. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm rambling. It's, it's a good sort of unblockable damage. The brawler cards are fantastic on him, as in the oh, um, yes. Grizzly Contest and the other one. Wait, he's a brawler? He's yep. a brawler. No, what? Oh, that's hilarious. Exactly. So he could do two damage to a figure plus Grizzly Contest. I've got his card here, so he's... Um, Ability swipe when you activate or enter in the space containing a hostile figure, it suffers one damage. Limit once per figure per round. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, special action scratch. Choose an adjacent hostile figure. That figure suffers one damage. He's health spit six and speed three. And health six is a lot. It was back then. Yeah. <laughs> um, t- to be honest, he's not the worst even now. It's extra unblockable damage on a brawler list and brawler lists are oh, a pretty good now spot at the minute i mean especially i mean can you imagine him with trandos i mean imagine if you were running more trandos and bosk and then you put this card on the boss because obviously you can't put him on more because he's always going to have the dark saber yeah but that could just be amazing uh anyway so let's start with isb headquarters um yep. what is your aim for round one on the two different missions. And essentially, we're only going to talk about your list now because, again, the Junk Guards list, while this fun, it was very effective, it's just not really viable in that way anymore. So anything I would say about that would just waste time and be null and void anyway. So we're not going to worry yeah. about that. It has ridden off into the sunset. Indeed. And you have me to blame for that, everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> Reconnaissance is fantastic because I've only got four figures, so you're not going to get many points <laughs> off me. Yes. Uh, so reconnaissance for everyone's benefit is the one where they put mission tokens down and whatever those mission tokens can see, you get a victory point for each figure. So if I'm playing against a swarm list, they're giving me, say, five points a turn. I can give them zero or one point a turn because I've only got four mm. figures and they're easy to hide. I could even do them in a little conga line and you can only see one of them. Um, <laughs> it's a lot harder to do a sort of 10-figure conga line. Uh, <laughs> can <I> confirm. <laughs> yes. So uh, that one... 
it's a case of so I could just stick out a camera, force them to sort of concede victory points because they've got um, more figures than I do uh, on swarm lists uh, and then have to come to me and swarm lists won't do very well against me because they're not going to do any damage in return. So I should be able to overcome them that way. And then if it's sort of a, um, a, a command card dependent list, it's sort of with the high speed figures, try and close the gap and put uh, damage onto them and then sort of retreat back to force them to have to do stuff um, that isn't in their best interests, but they don't have any choice because otherwise they just give me the win through command cards. And Bob is fantastic on this because you can throw him out, get the command card, get the flamethrower on, put a, a spy cam down and then run away quite easily because of his speed 12 potential. Yeah, this speed is crazy. Uh, to your stations, it's one of those. If you get on, if you get in that corridor on the right hand side and start getting the six points a turn, if you have Vader on one camera, Bobber on the other one, a royal guard behind beside them both, people are going to struggle to take you off them and they'll have to follow you in because you um, will be, they'll be giving you up six points a turn otherwise. And eventually, even if it takes the full 65 minutes, you'll eventually win. Because you've got the extra points for each for the two tokens, exactly, and it is fundamentally impossible for them to be able to make up for the points with a surprise maneuver. Because if you do the same strategy with other lists, then potentially, if your opponent has celebration and price on the heads and Java, they could potentially run in one shot a figure and then get a bunch of points last second that way. But that's impossible with this list because you cannot yeah. one shot Boba. You, yeah, and you, it is very difficult to one shot a royal guard. But even that, it's not going to be enough points because you can't. And you can't get the celebration. You, all right, you can get worth every credit, and if you've got rid of the other one, you could do price, uh, yeah. price on their heads. But that's still only sixteen points, which is it's not enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, seven, eighteen points for Jabba, to, but it's still not enough because they've given you six points a turn and you can position them so you can't be dragged out away from the royal guard if you stick them sort of um against the back wall one you know bobo on one vader on the other and then the, the royal guards there that way also the cameras can see anyone who comes into the corridor uh because the cameras obviously do damage but the one at the other end of the map can't see you um the only reason i got a loss on this map was because i was against another vader player played it quite well because you consider one of the main strengths of this list is that you can pass about five times on round one normally um, <laughs> yep. because if you've got to get to the activation list they're certainly going five times before I do anything sometimes you'll do that in round two and especially on this map you'll be doing it on round two uh, yeah. if you get in that corridor uh, you'll be doing it round two, round three however many rounds they want to until they go in the corridor because it doesn't there's no benefit of me going out to them um, so it's it's one of those, but I, I do think this map is quite good for it because I, I don't think there's a there's a great way for other lists to deal with you, especially as you'll be having three symbols on every attack into Bobba as long as you've got the extra armor still. Four symbols potentially before the black dice and you'll be having two symbols on Vader before the black dice. So it's it's one of them. It's it's difficult for them to get, get through you and eventually you will draw some of the second chance um make it even worse for them they finally killed vader but he's come back you'll get your um excuse me you'll get your brace for impacts and things eventually and um it, it's just certain lists i don't see how they beat you on this map yeah i mean i definitely agree and for that reason there just isn't really a reason to have an aggro based positioning because on the cam one you could rush up if you want i think that's a perfectly fine strategy 
But you could also just sit back because you are getting more points than they are every single round. Yeah. The the only reason you do it is if you are worried about a big swing from something with the command cards that they build up eventually. Yeah. They would basically have to have their own IG who could do all the hunter cards and blaze. Barring that, yeah. I don't think there's anything which could wipe one of the guys out in one activation. Or one and it's activation it's a risky one running around with IG. Yes. A weakened IG isn't doing very much. No. Because he's not going to get... He, he sometimes doesn't get any surges. So he, he'll need two surges before he does anything. And, and if Vader um, has parting blow, that's just a dead IG. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vader's going to get an attack or a choke off at the end of the round on you. All right, you might you might get four shots into Vader or Boba. If they've got a Royal Guard next to him, I don't think IG's going to do a great deal or he's going to kill two Royal Guards. And yeah. two Royal Guards for IG, <laughs> Yeah, I'll exactly. take that. Uh, and I don't think he'd kill two Royal Guards with four attacks. I, I doubt it. He would have to play heightened, assassinate tools, primary positioning, just all the cards on the different attacks to be able to do yeah. five damage after modifies every single attack. I, I think you'd get one Royal Guard and a chunk at the other one. I think so too. With four attacks. I, unless you dice to go your way, I don't think you'll... So, I don't think they'll do it. So, I don't see what the, the benefit of, of leaving <laughs> your deployment zone is almost uh, yeah. on, on this one if you're um, on the camera one. And then the other one, you just go in that corridor and sit in that corridor and, and make them deal with you. So is there anything you are scared on on this map? Is there any kind of archetype or any play style which could actually scare you when you're running this? Or is it just sit back on the cam one and sit in the corridor in the... I think it's hard to face other Vader lists on this one because the other Vader lists do the same thing as you. Mm, and yeah. whoever gets a bit luckier wins, I think. And obviously you'll still lose games from dice going against you and, and, and so on. But it's a lot of times you'll you'll win just from your pure defensive da- your output you have and, and your damage output and them having to meet you on your terms rather than sort of being a level playing field. Yeah. I think the top deployment zone is better on this one, as in the uh, one which has the door near its terminal. <laughs> There's a lot more place to hide if you're on the camera one. Mm. I think they've got the different strengths and weaknesses. What I do like about the bottom one is the fact that you've got the diagonal red square on the left side there, just next to the door, yeah. which is a beautiful spot for Boba. Yeah, however, that's true. However, the top side is designed in such a way where you can open the door round one and have your terminal with the same figure. And that is pretty important, because like we've said previously, this list does not rely on card draw. But it loves card draw. You know, if you're yeah. going to get an extra card round one, that is huge. Yep, especially because you'll be... It's your Royal Guards that are doing that. Yeah, oh, for sure. So your Royal Guard is opening the door for you, getting back to the terminal, and then that's probably the one situation where round two, you might move your Royal Guard next to, uh, you know, before they go. Because yeah. your Royal Guard is starting to open a bit there. So you might then shift them over to the corridor to hide Vader and Boba after that. So you get your two cards for your first round. Rule by fear, so you've seen uh, seven of your cards in round two. And then the rest of them are probably going to be strained away or something like that. Or thrown away as Zillow. But at least you've got a good chunk. Of you. You've got half your deck you've seen and, and got in your hands. 
Yeah, exactly. So in one of my Swiss games, I actually did play the Stations mission, and I pl played against a type of Trooper Swarm. Um, it wasn't Elite Stormtroopers, that just would have been a walk in the park. Uh, but it was Lion Ambush, Elite Riots, and I believe he also had two sets of sentries, and then he had some more riots and stuff like that. And, you know, it was good, but I just ran into that big corridor, and he had to approach me, and if I just stay outside a line of sight and just pop out and do some chokes every round, it it, it was pretty gross. Let's just put it that way. A lion ambush is horrible. It is terrible against this list. Because if you if you spawn in their deployment zone, you can just wait for them on this map. All right, they'll get the shot off with the with the riot troopers, but then they're going to get hit by four figures. Because you, why would you move? I mean, this was the station one, so I was moving into the corridor. All uh, right, so let's jump onto the second map then. End or defense station. What is your yep. aim for round one? What is your ideal tempo? Objective utilization. A lot. So we, we've briefly discussed claim the ruins. Yeah. In that you stick Vader in the big room, you stick Bob on the shield generator, um, and force them to come to you, because there's enough line of sight blocking in that big room that Vader is relatively secure, and you can keep a royal guard next to him. Uh, this one's quite nice again because you can sort of hold your terminal, but not be too out of the fight with the royal guards on the bottom and top deployment zone. Although I think I've only played this list on the bottom zone. I don't think mm. I played the top deployment zone at all. I, I played Endor four times so i think i was in the bottom one every round interesting or did i play three times three or four times i was in the bottom deployments on every time uh the other one the the pick up and um retrieve one um it's sort of a it depends on what's going on on that one yeah um bob is fantastic at it picking up and, and retrieving them vader isn't something what, you don't want to be wasting vader's actions on picking them up uh, or movement points, sorry. But Bobber and the Royal Guard are pretty good at it. So it depends on how aggressive the other player is. If the other player sort of sits behind his terminal waiting to get points, I'm absolutely going to be sending my Royal Guard and Bobber to pick stuff up, uh, keeping the doors closed and getting whatever chokes off I can with Vader. If the other player is aggressive and opens his door and starts to move figures in, I'm going all after whatever he moves in. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a... It depends on that one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I would have to say the same thing. I don't think this is a super interesting map for this list in that way, because mm. it really just comes down to what does your opponent do? I don't think there's any tough choices on this one. No, no, yeah, exactly. And I do think that that's probably the mistake I made against Kyle, because I, unless I'm mistaken, the top four map was the pickup one, and I picked up the ones with my little guards and stuff, and that, you know, that Probably was a misplay. Any more thoughts on this map? Would you, or should we jump into the most, I think, interesting map with this list, which wasn't at the tournament, which is why I think it will be an interesting discussion. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything particularly unusual about this one. Do you, do you think anything on this one, Jess? That middle area is so hotly contested, and I think you just can control it really well with the threat of Vader and Boba and the guards. There's just so much pressure you can put on that the barracks area that I think yeah. that's a pretty good map for them. Yeah, and line of sight is so tricky with the barracks that they have to come to you as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you can you can sit so there's a giant wall in the middle of it, so you can sit on that with a royal guard behind beside you. <laughs> yeah. So if they want to come to Vader, 
they've got to get through the defense and then Vader will do something back in return for whatever you manage to get off. So it's it's a tricky one. I, th- I think we played Clem the Ruins again. I, I played Clem the Ruins early on. Uh, I think you covered a little, a little bit on the stream and um, the Vader I played sort of came down and then ran away from me, um, leaving me to with nothing that can deal with Vader and the Clem the Ruins uh, in the, the barracks. So it was it was a bit of a a funny situation that you need to have a way to get rid of Vader on maps like this, where where the room is that big that I can move around and it still do things with Vader. So it's not wasting Vader sitting on a terminal or, or yeah. sitting on a token. The the room is big enough that I can I can do things with him. It gives enough points that you have to deal with him. Yeah, because it's the whole map tile versus one point. Yeah. Exactly. And that's essentially the reason why this episode is it's just not quite as in-depth as some other magic analysis that we've had. Because with the other episodes, what we usually do is we go through point by point, what's the infrared one, what's the ideal tempo, what's the objective utilization. The problem is with this list, it is just so straightforward. Because you survive, you move up, and you kill people. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the list in a nutshell. I mean, sure, that's every list in a nutshell. But, I mean, with this one in particular, and with the whole queen spam archetype, it just relies on some very simple things, and there just isn't really that much variety between maps, unless it is a very, very unusual map, like the next one we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, and, and the, the other half t- t- to that as well, because you've got so few activations, and you can pass a lot of times generally round one, I think the, the fewest I passed round one was three times. I think this other than against the mirror, yeah. uh, every other list I played generally had at least six activations. You, you have to do something with someone valuable generally by your fourth activation. So I can respond yeah. to your fourth activation before I commit anything of my own. Exactly. Especially since then, I mean, our first activation is going to be Royal Guards go up, open the door. Okay, yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, over to you. Do, do, uh, oh. and then, you've got, then you've definitely got someone valuable going next because if it's um, a, a mercenary list, all right, they've gone with the, the Gideon, the 3PO, the Jawas. So now you've got IG and Trandoshans left. One of them's got to go before Vader. <laughs> exactly. Already. Um, so I think we will just dive into the final one then, which is Coruscant Senate Office. This is a very interesting map. It is very unusual to anything we have seen, I think, in the meta ever. Especially with the missions, they are very, very unique. So I think this one, I think we can spend a little more time on because it'll be a lot more intricate than the previous mm-hmm. maps. Because they were so close range, it really doesn't matter too much where you stand. You're still going to be able to do your stuff, whereas here it really does matter. So all the usual questions, what do you think about this map? Baba loves that spire. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the doors are very well placed and giving me negative accuracy bonuses helps. (laughs) I mean, this one is, is more positional than, than a lot of the other ones. I not, obviously you'll get beaten if you, if you position poorly still, because if you, if you make it so that they get six shots into Vader, some of them will do something. So on obviously this one, it's a bit easier and harder to get line of sight to them. I, th- I think it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one. Uh, I haven't really played this one with the, the three activation lists because they sometimes aren't very fun to play. 
Um, the the battle at dawn, the points aren't worth very much. Yeah. So you're not going to beat me through through that. It's Bobber causes havoc for you because he's so fast and can get over that spire thing. I've got the a um, I can hold my terminals relatively easily, whichever side I'm on. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, you slowly move up with Vader and the the guards and put them in difficult to reach places so that they have to commit things to get to you and then can't get away. Uh, so lots of corner plays and stuff like that so that they can't get get back in to cover. And you probably wait for initiative your way a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Because this one I don't think is quite as much just run up raw. But I mean, honestly, you could do it just because of the negative accuracy and especially with Boba's evade. Your opponent's really just not going to hit you unless they're running Rangers or IG-11 or Weakways. Maybe Scout Troopers have a chance, but even that is a pretty small chance. Han has a chance, but... True, yeah. I... Folks, Tom always has a chance. Yeah, <laughs> but even even all those figures there, it's still long range. and It is. With, with Rangers, you're then potentially looking at having to use the search for accuracy rather than the search for damage and, and things like that. It's... Which means you're not going to put any damage through because they've got like three to four blocks. Yeah, and you know, the Pierce one is still it is good still, but there's that many blocks that it doesn't make that much difference. The it's it's the 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 the, the range is a is a maybe the answer is the Vader the the three the uh, what we're calling it Queen spam is that what we're calling it? The, the, maybe the Queen spam yeah does charge you. Because the necrotic accuracy benefits them a lot more than it does you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because and arguably, it just makes Vader's choke even more powerful. Yeah, absolutely. It, it it doesn't require accuracy. It's just look at someone. It doesn't matter if they are twenty accuracy away or one accuracy away. Just to, you can still choke them for two damage and a strain. Yeah, which is insane. And because the points are worth so little. Yeah, the points are pathetic. When you eventually do kill something. You know, even a ranger, they have to hold four points to equal a ranger or, or, or a jet or, or whatever. And because the jets won't hit you, you can open the door on this one. And all right, they've, they've moved into the, the, I don't know what you call it, the room, the, the Jedi Temple room, is it? Is that what we'd yeah. say it is, probably? They move into there, hold the two points or the two points on the other room, which yeah, I don't know what you'd call that room. <laughs> the left and right big rooms. Whichever one they go into, because you can wait so long. Get a guard to open the door and move Vader up so you get a choke at least at the end of the round or two chokes. And then whatever they put in there, unless it's a queen piece almost, you'll be nearly dead after two chokes. Yeah, exactly. Or you'll be down two cards. And if you're unlucky and you've discarded tools and assassinate as those two cards, you are screwed. Yeah. If you are hunters and lose your two big hunter cards. I mean, when I was running Han Rangers all the time, which I do now as well with Luca coming back, um, but when I was running Han Rangers, Whenever I played against VPT, almost every game came down to, okay, what does Thrawn discard? Does he discard Assassinate, Tools, and Heightened? Okay, I've lost. Do you discard Fleet-Footed um, and a couple of Spy Cards? Okay, beautiful. Vader's dead. Mm. Other Vader lists are a challenge, because yes. Vader does the same thing to you. <laughs> um, it's almost like the mirror match is tricky. Yeah, mirror matches are always gross. <laughs> yeah, it's not just the mirror though, is it? It's it's other Vader lists are, are still tricky, but yeah, it's yeah. I, I I don't know what the answer is here because it, I, I, it's one of those the the because of the the way it plays, you almost decide you don't have a sort of optimal start. You just do whatever 
do it based on whatever your opponent does. So if your opponent moves into one of the rooms, you move everything over that side and start choking it. Yeah, it becomes a very reactionary list, at least in this on this map, or rather this mission. Yeah. Um, in the other missions, not really. Yeah, in the other missions, you can dictate play. But because the Battle of Dawn, the, the mission tokens are worth so little, Yeah. there's no comp- compulsion to, to react to things. So, should we talk about the next mission, uh, the the senator one? Because like, that one, I think, actually is very interesting and might actually become a little bit of a problem for this list. Mm, yeah. Um, so, just I'm just going to read the rules out for the the priority extraction. So, a senator is a figure, seven health, one defense, uh, one block, and one evade for defense. Each senator is friendly to the player with the deployment zone where it started. When a senator enters an extraction point, remove it from the map, and the player who to whom it was friendly gains five victory points. End of each round. For each senator, friendly senator, each player gains one victory point. Then each player moves that senator up to four spaces to a space adjacent to a friendly figure. All victory points gained from this effect are scored simultaneously. I don't know how much of a struggle this is, to be perfectly honest, because Bobber can get to places for the senators to move to and the royal guards can get to places for the senators to move to true but then you're also keeping them away from being in the action and keeping them away from later and the thing is that it because we have so few attacks in this list we can't really afford to waste them on senators but but like you said i mean it is a 15 point swing potentially if they all get into the station plus all the three they get they give out every round yeah so... just for existing so if you sort of group Vader, Bobba, you group all four of your guys, if you manage to get them extracted and you can choke out one of theirs with Vader, mm-hmm. a five-point switch, they then still have to come to you and you're five points up. Or potentially That's more That's true. Up. But, but at that point, though, they will have had time to draw a lot of their cards because, I mean, according to the math, you can't score any senators until either round three or round four. Which you know that's pretty easy for you to get with uh, to get to with this list because you've got so few activations. So unless your opponent is a slow player, then that it really shouldn't be a problem to get to round four. Yeah. So if you get to round four, you potentially have got through your deck though as well. Oh, that is true. Because then you don't necessarily need to keep your royal guards together. No, you're on eleven points there, eleven cards there. Sorry. So you through most of your deck. Yes. So you might have things okay, like Mandalorian tactics overrun um, the movement cards that you get to round four. Let's say you they've got initiative. You sit on your hand going, oh, I've got um, Price of Glory and Urgency. Well, Vader's running at the end of this round. <laughs> oh, God. yeah, exactly. With this list, you do have that like unblockable damage that you can rely on as well if you need it, like the overruns and things like that. And if you know that you're going to draw your cards, that could be really nice. I mean, there's an argument that says you'd use Bobber to pull someone out of position all the time. You don't use him to do anything else, pull him out of position, and you keep Vader choking them. Right, yeah, that's a nice combo. Oh my god, Boba can pull a senator, can't he? Yeah, Boba can pull a senator. Ooh. Yeah, we haven't really talked much about Boba's kind of pull ability, but it is really useful for messing up your opponent's positioning. That can get yes. really psychologically damaging well, for your and opponent. As you say, Boba can pull a senator, pull a senator to the extraction. Looking for a fight can pull a senator to the extraction. 
dark energy can pull a figure to do extraction. All right, it's not probably oh. the best uses of them. But if dark yeah. energy, if I use it and it gets the figure over to over the line, I'm going to use dark energy to get me five points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because then suddenly you're saving yourself the effort of having to leave a figure adjacent to the spot. Yeah, where it can be shot and, and so on and so forth. Looking for the right arm, yeah. absolutely going to use it to get a figure over the line. Yeah, so this list definitely are going to be some challenges because of the low figure count, but there are some tricks that you can use. But ultimately, there's three senators, so I've got enough figures that I can see, keep someone on the terminal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And one of my favorite elements of this map as well is that you can leave a senator on the terminal and control it, which means that potentially you might not want the five points, and you would decide that getting the cards is more important, potentially, depending on what your opponent does. Maybe instead of you going down into a different room with your opponent, you just head rush your opponent and just kill their senators. And then you retreat because they're not going to kill you in time. And then you just go and score your senators or, or calmly. And here's also an interesting point. If your opponent kills a senator while it's adjacent to two royal guards for adventures triggers. True. So now suddenly you've got two focuses and two movement. Yeah. Does it trigger? Because it, it, they do count as friendly, right? Yeah. yeah. So they're an adjacent mm. friendly figure. Yeah, nice. And royal guards are just doubly good there because... Now, if they're attacking the senator, it's block, block, evade as defense characteristic, which, as we know with our experience with Boba, that is a lot. That is difficult to chew through. And as we've said, Boba can kill the senator and trigger forward vengeance. Yeah. If you were to choose to. If your senator was so far back, then you're going to go through and you played super aggressively, (laughs) you could get, you could self trigger that with Boba. Each round, you'd flamethrower the senator, take three damage on it. By round three, you're nearly at their deployment zone. You focus all your royal guards, <laughs> push them further forwards. It's not the worst move. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> if yes. you've got if you've got part and blow in hand, and you run in, attack with each of them as they run away, get the part and blow off on each of them. That's four attacks with. You know, five dice rerolls, not awful. <laughs> and you've got yeah. stuns involved, probably. Exactly. And because, I mean, this is exactly the reason why junk guards had to be nerfed because mm. they were so strong when they had the focus. So now that there's a mission where you actually can focus them yourself, I mean, the. the it's not to be ignored. Palpatine Royal Guard combination. You can get it in round two now with Palpatine, Force Lightning it, and uh, choke <laughs> it. Or, or well, can he Force Lightning? friendlies he can force lightning friendlies can he yeah he, he can uh you can't choke a friendly but you can force lightning which i'd argue is very unthematic we've seen vader choke friendlies we've not seen <laughs> choke, force lightning friendlies True. yeah I, I i don't know until until we've got more more games played on it yeah do you think you would still on the list in the next say tournament or are you more interested in different I, i'm more interested i think at the minute in uh mercenary queen spams yeah. which have a lot more fun interactions than the Imperial ones. The Imperial ones are all built around massive defense. The The mercenary ones are good defense, but fantastic attacks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you don't want to release any secrets, I completely get that. But I'm guessing you might be thinking something along the lines of Boba, 
IG-11 and IG-88? Something like that might work. Um, I, I, there's a few different things I've been looking at. Um, as you say, Bulba, IG-11, IG-88. Shyla is still a pretty tanky, pretty good hunter. True. Uh, and this is another scenario where you don't run any support with them. You rely on their dice. I mean, you could get something along the lines of IG-88, Boba, um, Shyla, Extra Armor, and a Jawa. So you've got a card sitter to get your Hunter cards through. And mm-hmm. Boba, you're mainly using to get the weakens off. IG-88 is obviously a big damage dealer, but Shyla isn't, isn't half bad either. No, exactly. And, I mean, Shyla's whip and Boba's whip, or whip course. Yeah, you've got a lot of whips there to pull things around. <laughs> Yeah. Um I mean you can there, there was there's always the all Mandalorian list as well, which is fun, where you've got Boba, you've yeah. got Shyly, you've got Sabine, and you've got Mando. You've got three whips there. Haven't you? <laughs> or, it, or you've got three grenades, sorry. Um so you've got the two flamethrowers, Sabine's grenade, and you've got two whips. So you keep pulling people out of position, grenading them, and 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 ping things away through unblockable damage there's 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 potentials there um i've not played enough of the mercenary ones but i think there's definitely something you can do with the mercenary ones Uh, and also i've not mentioned maul a mercenary brawler list maul trandos yes creatures Mm -hmm. maybe yeah yeah throwing nexus and just to get range attacks in there there's something horrible is to be found around lower activation mercenary lists that I think are more possible now. I think Maul is fantastic for it uh, with his with his um, with the dark saber on him. Um, yes, Maul, Boba, Iggy. There's worse lists <laughs> than the Maul, Boba, Iggy. Although obviously uh, you're not going to get much in the way of synergy of your command cards. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe yeah. you bring Maul into Imperials, and you do uh, you swap the Royal Guard out for Maul and another copy of extra armor and an officer. Uh, uh, it's not a bad idea because Maul's damage potential is insane, and you could also even bring him into Rebels with Saska, and because the Dark Sib is neutral, you could put him on there as well. You could run a Rebel Force user list with Maul, which certainly gives you now a reason to play Ezra's command card if you say what to play Dark Energy. With yeah, yep. Yeah, there's certainly options there. I mean, Jess asked earlier, "What would I drop the Royal Guard for?" You might drop them for Maul, an officer, and extra armor. Yeah. Uh, all right, you get two tokens on the officer. Okay, <laughs> but you get two block tokens on Maul, which is worth it for a point. Yeah. And you get a terminal sitter, which is actually really huge. And you can um, always use the officer to get a flamethrower off with Bobber. Oh dear! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my! Yeah, that is true. You can use Gideon to do the same thing. There's there's lots of fun to be had around uh, out of activation movement with Bobber. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that's unexpected uh, results. But, but sadly, Java doesn't synergize in that way. I mean, it would be amazing if it was going to move once it's still in to spaces. I mean, just imagine Java being able to order Boba to shoot and then flamethrower or shoot and then whip. Yeah, that'd be nasty. Yeah. Um, ironically, uh, with the move to lose support, I think Jabba suffers more than Gideon and 3PO. I think that's true. I agree. I, I, I think there's 
a very real argument that says you can't afford Gideon and 3PO in a list anymore unless you're running Rebels. Also, with Jabba, his ability for the extra point every time you defeat a figure, if lower activation lists are getting more popular, that ability, which is really strong in kind of VP manipulation lists, is much weaker as well. I mean, at one yes. point, the list that we looked at was going to be Vice Boba Vader. Um, I don't. Is it possible? Yeah. I can't remember if it's possible or not. But it's... It, it is, but it's not that great because Vice Boba Vader together are thirty nine points. Yeah, which means you can't have retrofitting. You can't have extra armor. You have to have Zillow. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's cool um, because. <laughs> No, you don't. You don't. You don't get Zillow. You get you get temporary alliance because you have to have it for Boba, so you don't get any upgrades. Oh, oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. no, no, no. Can't yeah, do it. No, nah, 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 nah. I mean, it would be cool if it works, but uh... but maybe there's something with Vice Boba IG. No, you can't have IG's I mean, card. Sorry, but Vice. You could have IG eleven. You could have IG eleven. Vice Boba IG eleven. Vice yeah, is so. good for um, Boba's abilities. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you could even potentially do Vice Boba Jets. Yeah. And get a lot of vehicle cards in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did actually run, at one point run a Vice double ATST list. Yeah. It was really, really fun. But they just don't do enough damage without Sorin. Yeah. Um, the positioning was all right. You just have to know in what order. You basically have to plan out your first two rounds before you even deploy. If you do that correctly, you're fine. I think um, you'd be better off with but, DPs than STs. Uh, yeah, the problem is I just hate DPs. I just hate them with a burning passion. I, I just don't like them. <laughs> I don't hate them, but I just... I look at them and go, but I could literally bring anything else instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. But I think we're getting a little off topic. And yeah, I was, so I was about to say. Shall we was... have closing thoughts? <laughs> Uh, I think so. So let's just um, briefly go over the list a little bit generally Let's and look at the strength and weaknesses. So just to summarize kind of what we've been alluding to this whole episode, what does the list do when everything goes right? Uh, it kills their entire list. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't lose a single figure. And doesn't lose a single I didn't have any games where I didn't lose a single figure in the tournament. I always lost at least one Royal Guard. I think in my first round... I might have gone without losing a single figure. I might have lost a Rogar, I'm not quite sure. But there was this brutal game against a Wookiee list where I just completely tabled him. Where it goes right is when they ping loads of attacks into Vader or Bobber and don't do anything. That, that's yeah. when it goes right. And Vader and Bobber's um, output can't be... You need to keep up with them. Uh, and event, you know, pretty quickly, Vader and Bobber remove figures from the board. And then you can no longer get through the defense if you don't get through it early. So when it goes right, their early wave does nothing and you then start because Vader and Bubba will remove figures pretty quickly. So what about when everything goes wrong? What what happens then in a nutshell? Uh it's when you lose Vader or Bubba early and cheaply. Vader or Bubba yeah. early and cheaply. Um you need to if you're going down to have one of the two of them, you need to have them whittled down quite a way before they go. Um so when it goes Definitely. wrong is when you lose, say, Vader in round two <laughs> and haven't killed their Vader yet. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, so or, or, that's that's a bit simplistic, but um, it's when you lose lose them and haven't 
done enough to it might not be got enough points out of vader because obviously vader's a lot of points but you haven't blunted their attack hard enough for them bobber to pick up the pieces and the royal guards it's when you lose vader or bobber early and they've still got all their attackers up so how would you suggest finding a balance between those two extremes to give yourself the most consistent and the most effective game possible um I think the games are pretty consistent anyway because you're reliant on solid statistical profiles for the attacks and defense and unblockable damage. Yeah. It's not as oppressive as Spectre was, but it's it's arguably built kind of along the same lines that it's so hard to 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 beat the 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 maths on it that yeah, yeah. The, the games where that happens for you will be probably lower than the games where it doesn't happen you know the, the bad happens if that makes sense you'll have fewer bad games than you will good games because the the, the maths say that most attacks will do very little at vader or bobber and this is actually a topic uh named foo which we actually will discuss in uh, in deeper detail in i think one of the next episodes so just the final thing then is is there i mean i i think i know the answer to this but is there anything you would do to change the list to make it more beginner friendly and if so is there any other kind of list which does the same thing that is easier to play so beginner friendly is and i don't think it's when i say i don't think it's hard for beginners to play it is and it isn't so you have to you have to have good positioning for it to work still yeah. you have to be able to spot where attacks are going to be coming from and limit them as much as possible isolate figures and attack the, the your prioritized targets and so on uh, and make mm. sure you plan sort of at least a round ahead generally you probably want to plan a couple of rounds ahead to make the most of moving things around and where 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 cards are coming from and so on um and, and what your opponent might do um as much as we've said earlier you wait for the first round and see what they do and then react once you've figured out what they're doing you that that's when you sort of have to plan a few rounds ahead. So but I don't think compared to some, there's no. What once you understand Vader's stupid combos with part and blow and stuff, there's no unusual mechanics in there that a, a beginner would struggle with. It, there's nothing mm-hmm. like, with say on the previous one of these I've been on with say baiting figures for for them to kill with Chewbacca to come back. There's no weird unusual mechanics like that. It's just rely on your your stat line and you'll probably be okay that makes sense (laughs) yeah no for sure and i think just take them one step further i think that's something very important which i mean this is a whole other topic in itself so we're not going to dive headfirst into it but there is a very big difference between ranged positioning and melee positioning so for example i've been playing ranged most of my imperial soul journey when i you know i run on ranges a lot and if you are bad at ranged positioning with long ranges, you are not going to make it through the second round. It, that, that is just a fact. You have to know how to position well for a sniper's list to run long ranges. It's the same thing for this list, because I am, again, a fundamentally a sniper player, and I struggle with melee figures. So I could pull off junk guards pretty well, because it's, it's a very unorthodox kind of melee list, because I do have to think more about keeping my figures next to each other to be able to get um, my junk uh, my junk droid combos off but with this list I've made a ton of mistakes with it because I'm not used to running melee lists and I think that is very important that if someone is used to playing 
Greek ways or some other long-ranged figure, like say scouts or sentries. Note that you will have to understand how to play close-range lists and how to position them to pull this list off well. You're still going to do well if you have no idea what you're doing, just because of the base stat line, just like Ollie said. Um, but I would actually say that running a more traditional Queenspan list, such as the Vice Emperor Vader, because of the extra movement from Vice, I think that's going to help you a little bit in understanding how it works to run such few figures. Yeah, I'd probably agree. You want to do with the earlier iterations of it. Yeah. Vice helps because the movement it gives out. It's hard to figure out where to move Vader without exposing him too much to fire. So Vice helps with that because you can slip up a little bit more and you, you can move him and then go, oh crap, he's going to get shot a lot. Vice will correct that for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas, with 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 that, without them, you're reliant on not making silly mistakes with the positioning, um, and figuring out when to go. Uh, Vice again helps you correct a lot of those mistakes. But the, the reason why uh, Vice is a was is a lesser choice than Bobber in in the in the sort of thirteen point slot for those two figures. Vice doesn't have the stupid shenanigans of Bobber that, that help yeah, for sure. improve your attacks and weaken theirs because the, the flamethrower is a massive deal um, for the weaken it gives out. It makes your attacks better and their att- attacks worse. It, it can't be understated how good that ability is for, for the list. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, well, I think at that point we have just about covered the entirety of the list. And... I think it was pretty good. So, Ollie, once again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute right. pleasure to have you back. It's always amazing to have you here. Um, do you have any closing thoughts you want to say before we close off? Um, let's hope we can come up with something that's a bit different for Season 5. <laughs> and it upends this completely, because <laughs> I think it's still possible at the minute. Yeah, Let's have a look and see if we can disrupt it. I agree. I look forward to many long nights painstakingly list building and seeing if we can together break ICP for a third time <laughs> I'm sure I'll spot something sort of a few weeks before the tournaments at the end of the uh, season 4 and we'll go oh okay <laughs> <laughs> let's see how that yeah. works Maul I think is is the is the figure that will do that Maul and the Trandoshans they're, they're my, they're my mm. favourite things that have come out of season, season 4 uh, ironically, I didn't have very, I had very little to do with either of them <laughs> on the committee. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I do like the look of them still. But we'll see. I, I, I wouldn't surprise me if the winner of the next, uh, the next sort of big tournaments have them all in the list. I agree. I agree. Uh, the thing is, though, that what I do like about Maul is that he is very, very strong. But I think a natural nemesis will pop up, and I think I know who that is. And because I'm not a meanie, I'm just going to say it. I think that Sabs have an amazing chance against Bobo. Mm. Oh, sorry, not Bobo. Um, oh. The ability to stun him and being able to see through any body blockers for him. Maul, even with all of his strengths, because his attack now is insane, he's only 12 health. Yeah, the... There's no defensive buffs statically. Which is gettable. I think what we might see as well, if, if Queen's Fan becomes a mo- much more common occurrence... Queen spam hates stun yes. so much. I, I would. I remember in in the one of the last regionals, um, 
for core IA. Uh, it wasn't last regionals, it was pre-Spectre, so it was a while ago, actually, this. I ran a stun rebel list, which had every rebel stun figure in there, uh, except Saska, because Saska was truly awful then. <laughs> now she's only kind of awful. And I think it would fare even better against uh, these sorts of lists, uh, especially now that, uh, obviously, Chewbacca still does Chewbacca things. Um yeah, I, I think stun might be something to look for for it. Uh, but stun isn't fun for the other player always, so it might not be stun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And just any closing thoughts for you? No, I'm just curious to see if more people play lower activation lists. Um, and we'll see how, how the meta changes. Yeah, I agree. I think for me, Season 3 was very much defined by its Royal Guard versus Jedi meta, and we saw that in a lot of different ways throughout the season. And I think that's what made the season so memorable. I mean, you know, look at some of the prize cards that came out that's that season. We have we had Diala alt arts, we've had Royal Guard alt arts, which are ironically now out of out of date now with the nerf. But I'm just very curious to see what the memory of season four is going to bring. Is it going to be Trooper Swarm? Are they going to steal surprises? Is it going to be more on the Trandos? Or is someone going to throw us all off guard with a bunch of ATRTs? I'll sitting? just uh, I'll just throw something in there that we've forgotten. Last minute one, Loku is great against Queens. Yes. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did actually play against Queen Spam with my Han Rangers list with Loku. I mispositioned him a little bit, um, so Loku died way too early. But he really helps against Vader. Mm-hmm. Suddenly my Rangers have Pierce 2 in every attack. Yeah. Thanks, I'll, I'll yeah, help you. Give it hand, pierce one. It's the extra damage generally. It, exactly. That's a that's a last last throw out there. We we've not mentioned this. <laughs> Loku helps on these. We might see a return to rebels a little bit more. Um, we'll see. Which would be good. All right. Well, as always, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye bye. Bye everyone. Bye. Yeah.